Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Miles and welcome back to my channel. Today we're going to be covering another solved true crime case in my Curious Case series. I apologise if you can hear any DIY noises going on. It snowed last night and naturally my dad has decided to completely renovate the front room, so... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Sorry about that. Today's case is another UK case that I'm going to be covering and it is quite a big uh, complex case, so please bear with me. I just like to point out this video has not been made to cause disrespect or anything like that. It's just been made to spread awareness about this case by compiling information from various different public sources on the internet. Now, though that being said, let's delve right into this case. Derek Bird, born November 27th, 1957, was a 52-year-old man who would end up destroying the lives of more than 12 families. He was born to Joseph and Mary Bird in Whitehaven, Cumbria, which is in England. He had a twin brother, David, and one older brother. Derek had a fairly regular childhood growing up in Whitehaven, and he eventually fell in love and got married. And he got married to a woman named Linda Mills. Together, the couple had two children, Graeme and Jamie. I'm not sure if Graeme is how you pronounce it. I'm going to put it on the screen now, um, but please correct me down in the comments below if you actually know how to pronounce his name. After the birth of their first child, Graeme, everything seemed to be going as planned, everything was going along happily. However, things quickly went astray and then leading up to and after the birth of their second child, Jamie, the couple split up. And that happened in early 1994. Linda left Derek Bird and moved to Lamplu in Cumbria. She moved with the two children and Derek stayed in the village of Rawa, I think it's pronounced, which was also in Cumbria. Lamplu is also where Derek's twin brother David lives. Now let's talk about Derek. Derek was self-employed, he was a taxi driver, and as a taxi driver he serviced the Waura area and the surrounding towns and villages. He was described by his friends as a good lad, a normal bloke, and a nice guy. On May 22nd of 2010, Derek became a granddad when his eldest son, Graeme, gave birth to a son called Leighton. Two weeks later, on June 2nd, 2010, Derek Bird would commit one of the worst criminal acts in British history involving a firearm. Now, just to tell you the story that's developing back here, and we've been getting details of just in the last 10 minutes or so, news from police in Cumbria that police have been called to a street in Cumbria after reports that shots were fired by a man. Now, there seems to be a sizable police and emergency services operation going on. This, if you know the area, this is in Duke Street in uh, Whitehaven. Ambulance crews at the scene and armed police are trying to apprehend the man and uh, crucially police are asking members of the public in Whitehaven and Egremont to stay indoors until further notice. Okay so before you go any further like I said at the start of the video this case is quite complex and there's a lot going on so there's a lot of places and names so I'm trying to present this in a way that's more easy to follow along but if you do get lost um, just you just have to go back you just gotta stick with me with this um, I'm sorry if it just get confusing at any point but there is 
a lot of places and a lot of people involved. I am going to try and make it as clear as possible. In the early hours of June 2nd, 2010, Derek left his home in Raura, Cumbria and drove his Citroen Picasso to the nearby town of Lamplu. When he got to Lamplu, he drove straight to his twin brother David's house. When David opened the door to his 52-year-old brother Derek, Derek shot him 11 times in the head and body with a .22 caliber rifle. As you can imagine, that amount of injury resulted in David's death. Derek then got back into his car and drove to Frisington. Now, Frisington was the home of the Bird family solicitor, who was 60-year-old Kevin Commons. Derek arrived at the house, knocks on the door, and Kevin answered. And when Kevin saw the guns, he tried to escape Derek. However, Derek prevented him by shooting him twice with a double-barreled shotgun. However, out of those two shots, only one of those shots actually hit Kevin, and that shot hit him in the shoulder. Kevin, who had attempted to escape Derek by getting into his car, staggered out of his car and into the entrance to his farmyard. This is where Derek fired two more shots, but this time he shot him with his rifle, and this time he aimed for Kevin's head. Kevin died instantly. At about 10.20 a.m., a neighbor phoned for the police. The neighbor was actually a witness of the brutal attack and called the Cumbria Constabulary to report the murder of Kevin Commons. However, her call was actually delayed by several minutes after the attack actually happened. And this was because the neighbor was panicking big time. As you can imagine, you've just seen your neighbor got shot and she went into a complete state of shock and had no idea what to do. So she had to talk to her neighbors first to find out what she should do. This same witness described Derek to have been using an air rifle, despite the fact that there were clear gunshots heard. After brutally murdering Kevin Commons, Derek got back into his car and drove away, and he drove to his friend's house. Now, the reason he had driven to his friend's house was because he had actually lent that friend a shotgun, and Derek wanted the shotgun back. However, when he got to this friend's house, he knocked on the door, and the person who answered wasn't his friend. It was actually his friend's wife, and his friend's wife didn't have access to the gun. Disgruntled, Derek left his friend's property at about 10.33 a.m. And then he drove his taxi to a taxi rank, which was on Duke Street, Whitehaven. Now, when he got to the taxi rank, he called another taxi driver over to the car. And this taxi driver was a friend of his who was called Darren Rucastle. Derek had actually had quite a few conflicts with Darren, who was 43 years old, and this was due to Darren's behavior and Darren poaching fares. There had even been an incident where Darren had damaged the tires on Derek's taxi and then openly boasted about it to his friends and other taxi drivers. As Darren approached Derek's taxi, Derek pulled out a .22 caliber rifle, the same rifle he was using in the past two attacks, and shot him at point-blank range. The shots hit Darren in the lower face, the chest, and the abdomen. Darren quickly succumbed to his injuries and perished. Quickly after killing Darren Rucastle, Derek drove up alongside another taxi driver, and this taxi driver was 57-year-old Donald Reed. Derek then proceeded to shoot Donald in the back. This first shot didn't actually kill Donald, and Derek realized this, and he drove out of the taxi rank, looped around, and came back into the taxi rank and shot again. He fired at Donald twice before driving off. Fortunately for Donald Reed, 
both these two shots missed him and he would survive this shooting. As Derek drove away from the taxi rank, he pulled alongside another taxi driver and this taxi driver was called Paul Wilson, who was 34 years old. Paul was walking down Scotch Street and Derek called him over to his car in the same fashion that he had done with Darren. As Paul approached Derek's taxi, Derek shot him in the right side of his face with the shotgun, which severely wounded him. Now word of these shootings, as you can imagine, quickly began to spread and it got to a group of unarmed police officers at the local police station. And these unarmed police officers decided to follow Derek as he drove down uh, Coach Road. While Derek was driving down Coach Road, he fired his shotgun at a passing taxi. The shot injured the male driver of the taxi, who was a 53-year-old man named Terry Kennedy. The shot also injured a 20-year-old girl who was a passenger in the taxi who was called Emma Percival. Derek wasn't stupid and he quickly noticed the unarmed police officers that were trailing behind him. So he got his shotgun and aimed at the two of them. There was only two unarmed police officers following Derek. Now the two unarmed police officers naturally dove to take cover because obviously they didn't want to get shot and Derek used this to his advantage. He used this distraction to make his escape. Now those were all the shootings that to the police and investigators they believe to have been targeted shooting. Derek shot those people for a specific reason. What happens next takes his whole case to a whole new level. Derek decides to start shooting strangers at random. Residents of Whitehaven and the nearby towns of Ergamont and Seascale were instructed by the authorities to remain inside. As you can imagine, a massive manhunt for Derek was launched by the police to try and end the shootings. When Derek drove away from the two unarmed police officers, he drove towards the village of Ergamont. Just before getting into the village of Ergamont, Derek called a woman named Jacqueline Williamson over to his taxi before shooting her. Fortunately, Jacqueline managed to escape without injury with her her dog, who she was out walking at the time of the attack. Derek then drove into the town of Ergamont and stopped his car alongside a 57-year-old woman named Susan Hughes. Susan was walking home from a day shopping when Derek pulled up alongside her. Derek then shot her in the chest and abdomen with the shotgun. Derek then got out of his taxi and got into a struggle with Susan. However, the struggle didn't last long when Derek pulled out his rifle and shot her in the back of the head, killing her. Derek then got back into his taxi and drove the a short distance to Bridge End Road. Walking in the opposite direction to the direction that Derek's taxi was going was 71-year-old Kenneth Fishburne. Derek Bird fired his shotgun at Kenneth and hit him in the head and chest, causing fatal injuries. Derek then continued down the road in his taxi until he came across 59-year-old Leslie Hunter. Derek called Leslie over to his car in the same fashion that he had done with two of his previous victims before taking out his shotgun and shooting Leslie in the face at point-blank range. Leslie quickly turned around to protect himself from being shot and as a result of this, he was shot again in the back by Derek. Miraculously, despite being shot twice, one at point blank range, Leslie Hunter survived the attack. Derek then went on south to the village of Thornhill. That's when he came across a teenage girl named Ashley Glaster. He beckoned Ashley over to his taxi in the same manner that he has done with all the other victims before firing his shotgun at her. Fortunately, this shot missed Ashley. He was in the car and he stopped me and said something to me and I did didn't know what he said so I said what and then he came back up to me and said um, he said do you like something but I couldn't hear what he said and then when I turned around to look at him he was pointing a gun in my face so then like I like held onto my head and put my head down because I was scared and then he shot shot it and then like I went to, when I was running off he shot it again 
I was like dead scared and I was like crying because I thought that I was going to die and like he was going to kill me and I didn't know what I'd done wrong for him to kill me. Derek quickly drove off and passed through the village of Carlton before driving towards the village of Wilton. A member of the diving club that Derek was a part of actually lived in Wilton and was a friend of Derek. And Derek had decided to visit his friend and this friend was called Jason Carey. However, when Derek knocked on the door, Jason's wife answered. Derek decided to leave and he got back into his taxi and drove away. As Derek drove through the village of Wilton, he came across 68-year-old Jennifer Jackson and her husband, 67-year-old James Jackson, and they had gone out for a nice late morning stroll. Derek pulled up alongside Jennifer Jackson and shot her in the chest with his shotgun and then twice in the head with the rifle killing her. Derek then drove away and reportedly got as far as Townhead Farm before turning around and driving back towards Wilton. When he got back to Wilton, he fired his shotgun at Jennifer's husband, James Jackson, fatally hitting him in the head. Derek then decided to drive his car back to Carlton, which was the village that he just passed through earlier, where he fired his shotgun at close range at a mole catcher who was talking to a farmer stood in a field. He fired his shotgun twice at this mole catcher at quite a close range. This mole catcher was 65-year-old Isaac Dixon. Nearby, a former semi-professional rugby league player was working in a field outside the Red Admiral Hotel. This rugby player was 31-year-old Gary Purdom, who was shot and killed by Derek. Derek then decided to drive towards Seascale. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. It may be Seascale or something like that. Um, please correct me down below in the comments if you know how to pronounce this town name. Strangely, as Derek drove towards Seascale, he actually began driving quite slowly and started beckoning other motorists to pass him as he drove down the road. This turned out to be another technique that he was using to shoot motorists. He shot a 23-year-old motorist named James Jamie Clark in the head with his shotgun. This caused James to crash his car so severely that authorities were unsure whether he initially died of being shot in the head or of the really bad car crash. Derek then came to a narrow one-way passage which was underneath a train bridge. It was at this passage that he encountered another motorist named Harry Berger. Harry was 40 years old. Harry saw Derek drive up and approach the passage from the other side, so he politely beckoned Derek to come through the passage first before he would go through the passage in the opposite direction. As Derek drove through the passage and then passed Harry's car, he shot him twice. Harry suffered severe injuries to his right arm. Derek then drove his car along the seafront and onto Drig Road, where he fired his gun twice at 64-year-old Michael Pike. The first shot actually missed Michael, but the second shot hit Michael in the head, killing him instantly. Around about four o'clock, I phoned my brother, and um, he said that Dad still hadn't come home, and that they were getting really worried, but there'd been no news, um, and they hadn't been able to get him on his mobile. So um, then a couple of minutes later, one of the neighbours, um, he used to be a policeman, he'd gone to look um, and he, he, he told my brother that it's more than likely my dad. Only a few moments later and on the same street, Derek called over 66-year-old Jane Robinson to his taxi. Derek then proceeded to shoot Jane in the neck and head at point-blank range, which unfortunately killed her. Now, during these last two shootings on the seafront, three armed response vehicles had been pursuing Derek from afar and had driven to the passage where Harry had been shot in the side. However, due to Harry's injuries, Harry had actually blocked the passage with his vehicle, and his vehicle 
shuttle had to be pushed out of the way to allow these armed response units to pass through the passage. Witnesses then described Derek's driving as becoming erratic as he continued to drive down the seafront. At 11.33am, just an hour after Derek had shot his family solicitor, Kevin Commons, police constables Philip Lewis and Andrew Lavalak spotted Derek as his car passed their vehicle. The police constables then attempted to pursue Derek, but due to roadworks, they were delayed and lost sight of Derek, so the pursuit only lasted for a few minutes. Derek then drove into Exdale Valley, where he then proceeded to shoot 70-year-old Jacqueline Lewis. He shot Jacqueline in the neck with his rifle as she was out walking. Fortunately, Jacqueline wasn't fatally wounded by the attack and she survived. Derek continued to drive through Eskdale Valley when he stopped by a 51-year-old woman named Fiona Moretta. Just like with so many of his previous victims, Derek beckons Fiona over to his vehicle. Fiona believed that Derek was going to ask for directions, so she leans through the passenger window of Derek's taxi. That is when Derek shot Fiona in the chest with his rifle before taking off towards the village of Boots. When Derek got to the village of Boots, he stopped outside the business premises of Sims Travel and fired his rifle at nearby people, and fortunately, all those shots missed. He then continued into the village and began firing at just random people that were on the streets with his gun. But thankfully, every single shot that he fired missed. Derek then fired his rifle at two men, and those shots unfortunately hit. Those shots hit and severely wounded 25-year-old Nathan Jones in the face. Derek then continued driving until he came across a couple that had stopped their car and got out to take a photograph. He fired at the couple, hitting 30-year-old Samantha Christie in the face, causing severe wounds. Derek then told Samantha Christie's partner, Craig Russ, to run. Derek then fired at Craig as he ran away, but fortunately all his shots missed him, and Craig escaped uninjured. Derek then drove on. He then came across two cyclists, which Derek fired at and missed. However, this shooting actually caused Derek to lose control of his vehicle and crash it into several other cars and then into a brick wall. This crash badly damaged a tire on Derek's taxi. Derek then continued to attempt to drive his taxi until he abandoned it at a local beauty spot called Doctor's Bridge, which was just outside of Boots. A nearby family of four who were completely unaware that the shootings had taken place and completely aware that he had guns, approached Derek asking if he needed any help or any assistance. However, Derek turned them down and surprisingly told them to leave immediately. Derek then took the rifle from his taxi and walked towards a bridge that led towards Oak Howe Woods. Derek Bird was last seen alive at 12.30 that day. Shortly after 12.30, authorities and police confirmed that there had been multiple fatalities and that they were searching for a suspect. They then announced that the suspect was driving a dark grey Citroen Picasso and that the suspect was Darren Bird. At about 12.36, just six minutes after Derek was last seen alive, armed police officers and dog handlers showed up at the scene of Derek's abandoned car and they began an extensive search in and around the areas and in the woods for Derek. An hour and a half later at 2pm police announced that they had found a body in the woods with a rifle and that they believed this body to be the body of Derek Bird. Police confirmed shortly afterwards that the members of public that had been told and instructed to remain indoors can now go about their daily business. The brutal shootings had come 
to an end. Overall, 12 people were shot and killed, and a further 11 people were injured before Derek took his own life. Later that evening, at a police conference in Whitehaven, the police confirmed these details, saying that 12 people had been killed, 11 people had been shot and injured, three of them critically injured. They also confirmed two weapons that were used, a double-barrel shotgun and a .22 caliber rifle, which they have recovered. And the rifle had a scope and a silencer on it, and that they suspected that these two guns were used in the attacks. 30 different crime scenes were also being investigated. The shootings were considered to be the worst mass casualty shootings in the United Kingdom since the 1996 Dunblane School massacre which left 18 people dead. The shootings took place over a 50 mile stretch of Cumbrian coastline and helicopters from all over the country and the RAF were used in the manhunt and to recover casualties and take them to hospital. Derek Bird surprisingly had actually been a licensed firearm holder and the shootings sparked further debate about gun control in the United Kingdom. Now you may be asking yourself, what the hell were the motives for all these shootings? And the answer is, the police doesn't really know for sure, but they have some suspicions. In 2007, three years before the attack, Derek Bird had been attacked by a group of men and knocked unconscious. These four men had used his taxi services and then refused to pay. They tried to run away instead of paying for the taxi services and consequently decided to beat Derek unconscious. Afterwards, Derek's friends and families claimed that he had changed that he wasn't the same as he was before. There was an unconfirmed report that Derek had attempted to get help from a local hospital due to his fragile mental state. However, like I said, this is unconfirmed and may just be rumor. Derek had held a shotgun license since 1974 and often renewed it. The most recent time he renewed it was in 2005. He also, in 2007, obtained a license and certificate for his rifle. Interestingly, Derek was actually being investigated by HM Revenue and Customs, which, if you're not familiar with the UK government is essentially the tax office. And we'll get back to why this piece of information is significant later on. So there are very few speculated motives in this case. So let's go through what we know. There'd been speculation that Derek had held a grudge against the Sellafield nuclear power plant and people associated with it. This was because he used to work at the power plant as a joiner, but he was forcibly resigned in 1990 due to allegations of him stealing wood from the power plant. And Derek was actually convicted of this theft and served a 12 month suspended sentence. However, all this happening 12 years prior to the shootings makes me question its relevancy. Interestingly, three of the deceased victims of the Cumbria shootings actually worked at this power plant. However, there was no evidence to suggest that these three victims had anything to do with Derek's forced resignation. I also have to point out that a lot of people work at nuclear power plants and at the Sellafield nuclear power plant, they directly employed almost 10,000 people. And as the nuclear power plant was located, in C-scale Cumbria, it doesn't surprise me that some of the victims have turned out to be employees of the nuclear power plants because people who worked at the nuclear power plants would naturally be living close to the nuclear power plants, if that makes any sense. So I personally find it a bit hard to believe that Derek went on these shootings randomly one day um, due to a grudge that he held 20 years previously. And especially considering he started the shootings by killing his twin brother and his family solicitor, neither of which worked at the power plant. Terry Kennedy, who was one of Derek's best friends and who was actually injured in these shootings, claimed that Derek had had a relationship with a girl from Thailand, who he had met when he went on holiday to Pattaya, Thailand. Another friend of Derek's furthered this claim and added that 
he had actually sent the girl a thousand pounds. And after receiving the money, the girl had apparently just ended the relationship in one text message. Derek's friends described Derek as being made a fool out of, which could have been why he went on this sudden rampage, although I still don't think this is the motive. It is also speculated that Derek had been in some kind of family feud due to his father's will. This theory is supported by the fact that he first murdered his twin and then he murdered the family solicitor, but it doesn't explain why he murdered any of the other taxi drivers at the taxi rank who were considered to be his friends and then went on a random killing spree. Now let's go back and talk about the tax investigation that was being conducted by HM Revenue and Customs. The investigation was centered around around tax evasion and this meant that Derek could be sent to prison and this meant that Derek was being threatened with potential prosecution and punishments. According to Mark Cooper who was a taxi driver who has known Derek for more than 15 years he claims that Derek had actually accumulated 60,000 pounds that's right 60,000 pounds in a secret bank account and that Derek had expressed his concern to him that Haitian Revenue and Customs might find out about these uh, the £60,000 and, you know, chase him for the tax for it or fine him or prosecute him for not paying tax on this secret money that he had kept. Mark Cooper then went on to say that Derek believes that his twin brother David and the family solicitor were conspiring to send him to prison for tax evasion. Interestingly enough, three days before the killings, Derek called his brother 44 times. However, it's unsure whether these were unanswered phone calls or answered phone calls. And that's all there really is to this case. I'm personally more inclined to believe the tax evasion theory because that kind of makes a lot of sense why you'd kill um, your brother and your solicitor because you think they're trying to dob you in for tax evasion and then because you've told this secret to other taxi drivers maybe that you've accumulated £60,000 maybe you think that they, you know, let it slip or told someone or reported on you or that kind of thing. Um, still, none of it justifies anything that happens at all. I think that maybe this theory makes more sense to me. Perhaps the reason that his twin brother and the solicitor were going to dub him in, in the, dub him in, in the first place is because um, t something to do with the father's will. Maybe they, if Derek was in prison, he couldn't, you know, have something from the will or something like that. It could be very intricate, but we're not too sure what is going on. There are a few other theories in this case which are really, really wild and a bit crazy that I didn't feel comfortable discussing, all to do with there being a second shooter or that this mysterious £60,000 was payment for him to do this from the government or something like that, but that's just a little bit too wild and I really want to remain respectful, like I said at the beginning of the video, I want to remain respectful to the victims and the families and everyone who was involved in this case. But yeah, thank you so much for watching this episode in my Curious Case True Crime series. If you're new here, I usually upload two videos a week, although the past two weeks I've only been doing one video a week, that's just because I felt really burnt out and there's things been going on in my personal life, but I'm really going to try to get back on doing the two videos a week. Um, I always make sure I upload my Sunday video, which is a Curious Case True Crime video, which is at 8pm UK time every Sunday, sometimes oh, a little later than that, depending on um, how fast my internet is for uploading the video, and the other video I do on Wednesdays at 8pm, which is a conspiracy theory video or another kind of video. So be sure to subscribe and hit that bell icon so you can be notified every time that I post. Now, with all that being said, I will see you in the next video.
and stopped his car alongside a 57-year-old woman named Susan Hughes. And stopped his, they employed directly almost 10,000 people. <sighs> you freaking stop drilling! When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.